Alex. <laughs> Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher uh, special edition. We have done special editions uh, mostly for Beyonce performances or albums, so this is a little different. The Aver Brothers <laughs> dropped a new album out last Friday. Who knows how time works? Uh, closer than together. And you, Alex, are, I think, I feel like I'm pretty aware of the social media pastor-verse. Uh, perhaps the biggest Ava Brothers superfan in the Pastorverse. So congratulations on that title, first of all. Oh, man, that is... I feel like I'm already victorious, so thank you for that. For yeah, I'm, uh, sure. I fell in love with them when I was in seminary. Uh, somebody played a song. Um, can't remember what song it was, but I looked them up, and I bought, like, two live albums, and I never stopped. I think I've been to about 14 concerts. Uh yeah. If the Avids are doing it, I'm th- I'm listening to it. Have you been to an Avid Brothers concert in Africa yet? No, I don't. Th- I don't know that they've ever come. So that's like I'm kind of hoping, like maybe like all my favorite bands, like we'll just do one big giant show because none of the stuff I love comes. Like Beyonce comes, Katy Perry mm-hmm. comes, uh, even uh, what was it recently that came that was like Incubus came to Pretoria. <laughs> And I was like, that was the one show. I was like, I want to get there, but I was like, I can't. I can't justify driving six hours for Incubus. I would have done five, but not six. Not six, yeah. So for, for our listeners, uh, you're you're calling in. You also, one of the other titles you hold is probably, I feel it's pretty safe to say, you're Kenya's number one Ava Brothers fan. Yeah, I think that's an easy one, uh, I hope. <laughs> but Because uh, when I say things like, what, what kind of music do you like? I'm like, I love the Ava Brothers. And they go, who are these brothers? <laughs> like, all right, let me, um, there's two brothers, but there's more than two brothers. And like, there's three brothers. No, no, no. The other people aren't brothers. They're just members of the band. It's what? literal and it's a metaphor all at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been interesting. I'm relatively new to Kenya too. I've only yeah. Been why like why are you in weeks. Kenya? So, uh, I've been on the continent for about two and a half years, starting as the country coordinator for Southern Africa for the Young Adults and Global Mission Program for the ELCA. We have stopped our program in Southern Africa. And uh, last year, we had some volunteers in Tanzania. And so, I actually learned a little bit of Swahili. So, one of the opportunities that kind of came when we were deciding this around April was, uh, Alex, if you're interested, we think this could be a really great piece for you to go to Kenya but instead of country coordinating, you would actually pastor again. Hmm. Uh, and so the opportunity kind of came that it's an international church. Uh, so the first mm-hmm. service in English, the second in Swahili. So to get my feet wet, I'll be preaching in English at the first service, but trying to learn that Swahili so that I can better lead, help, and uh, and get things uh, sorted on the back half so that I can kind of uh, be as helpful as possible. Cool. Uh, you're in Nairobi? Yes. Uh, have you had uh, Ugali? Ugali? Ugali yet? <laughs> Ugali, yes. Well, and we have Ugali in Tanzania as well, so I had oh, that last year. Okay. And in South Africa, they call it pop mm. uh, or putu. So uh, I've, I've been eating that stuff for a couple of years now. Uh, it's, it's as flavorless as you can expect. <laughs> but uh, what's so nice is whatever it's paired with, uh, it tastes like. So usually a oh. nice sauce or you, uh, you can you know pick up uh, some beautiful spinach with it and uh, use it like a little spoon to, to get the rest of your food in your mouth. So um, it's very helpful and it's very cheap. So it's a real staple in these communities. Nice. I have been involved in the professional runner community here in Boulder. Um, so we've had plenty of folks from uh, from Kenya who are in town and live in town. And uh, and Ugali does not have a great reputation among uh, Americans who, who sample <laughs> what our Kenyan friends uh, bring to us. So uh, everything you said sounds true. And, you know, I can't be too judgmental because I come from North Carolina, the home of the Ava Brothers, where we eat a, a cornmeal sort of paste uh, that tastes best when it's smothered in cheese and butter. There you uh, go. Jets, so baby. I can't be too judgmental. You said uh, you first heard the Ava Brothers in seminary at LSTC in Chicago on the south side. Uh, so that's where I was going to school. But I was actually out at a conference in Bend, Oregon, and uh, we were doing this thing where we played a song that was best describing where we're at and so this one guy played uh this song and all i remember is the lyric is uh you can paint it anything but blue Hmm. um and it's i always think of it off their live uh live volume two 
mm-hmm. as the live version, but I think it's also off one of the earliest albums. And uh, I went, man, that's a great lyric. Looked it up, listened, bought that CD live two, bought live three, uh, fell in love with Murder in the City, yeah, bought sure. tickets, bought tickets to a concert. Didn't have a date, so I grabbed Ben Adams. And uh, he's always a great date. He is a great date. He's been to many a concert with me. Uh, I'm so sleeping with Ben Adams buddy. tomorrow. Oh, jealousy again. Mm-hmm. You're from North Carolina, the home of the Avery Brothers. You're going to be <laughs> sleeping with Ben Adams. Uh, I don't know what the third thing would be that would put me over the top. To I just have to hang up and go cry. But <laughs> hang uh, up and listen. Maybe, yep. maybe, maybe we'll find it in this next 20, 30 minutes. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, and what the sound, of course, I think is really striking to people uh, when they first hear the Avid Brothers because it is such an interesting mishmash of of things that had not, to the point of the Avid Brothers getting together, had really been put together. So taking the kind of bluegrass notes, the traditional bluegrass notes, uh, and I am a banjo player. Uh, one of the the strange things that happened in my life is that I really I'm from North Carolina. I'm from the part of North Carolina that Earl Scruggs was from, and when I moved to Chicago, nice. that's when I got into banjo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I only got into banjo once I left and went to Chicago uh, through the Old Town School. But the the bluegrass community, the banjo community, is super into purity. Uh, yeah. The goal <laughs> is to play everything just like Earl did. Uh, And they make like there's little notations that are like sometimes Earl did this and sometimes Earl did that. So you have a little bit of leeway there. Uh, But in general, you have to play it right. Uh, And that is not Scott's approach to the banjo, uh, which is. No. uh, So they took that, did weird things, unusual things with with traditional bluegrass stuff, but then combined it with like the I've heard it best described as as kind of Beatles, early Beatles harmonies. Uh, And so it's super distinctive when you first hear them, especially that kind of like emotionalism era of the Ava brothers. Yeah. But what was it for you that, that was not only striking, but helped you build the relationship and continue to invest in that relationship with the band? Yeah. I think, uh, once, once you go to a show, you'll, you'll fall in love and you'll just keep wanting to go back. Cause it, there's mm-hmm. not many things like it that uh, bring that kind of energy. Uh, you can be far away. You can be close. Um, I've been blessed to be, uh, like second row in Austin, uh, and like high fiving, uh, Scott and, uh, Bob and, uh, <laughs> and I've also been up in the nosebleeds in Michigan. Uh, so like, mm-hmm. but there, it always hits beautifully. Um, so I think that's like, you're just watching pure energy and, uh, and when you start to study them and learn about them, uh, what you find out is like the playing part is what's key. Uh, I know they're wealthy. I know that they have the capability to do kind of anything they want financially, but they still have kept themselves quite real. Uh, So even when I jumped in, you know, I was jumping in right as people were starting to say, like, I like that one song, I Am Loving You. And I was kind of like, well, that's a good song. But like, there's so many other songs before that. And like, since then that people aren't listening to because they don't make the radio. They just make the rounds when like people say like, you got to go to this concert with me. Mm-hmm. I've taken so many people to Ava concerts with hopes of like breaking them down and letting them see like this band is amazing. And no one's ever walked away saying, Oh, that was all right. They, they always <laughs> walk away saying like, Oh my gosh, I like, I'm looking up stuff tomorrow and the next day. And they're like sending me lyrics. Like, this is amazing. Like who are like, how did I not know about these people? And I was like, that was me when I heard them too. And I, my claim to fame is I saw the Dave Matthews band in Milwaukee, which which is where I'm from. And, uh, and this is like 2000, Oh no, 2009 or 10. And uh, I'm going to my cousin's wedding. And so I buy a ticket like for the like Sunday night show after the wedding. Then I'm going to fly back to Oregon where I was working at a camp. And uh, we're about to go in and I see a friend and we start hanging out. And I say to the person with the time, like, you know what? I don't think it's a big deal that we don't see the openers. I'm not really sure who the Avid brothers are. I look back on that set list. It was a dynamite set list of so many songs I've never heard. And that's like pure regret sits with me about like, I could have had 14, but I was, uh, I was tricked. So I, uh, I uh, talked to my brother-in-law a little bit. He introduced me to the Avid brothers and he introduced it to me. I kind of Oh four Oh five ish, which was this weird time in music where the internet wasn't dependable enough to be a music 
like a streaming music delivery system, Napster had been shut down. So I got burned disc of the Avery Brothers, but I had no idea how to pronounce their name because I hadn't heard right. it. I had, nobody had told me what their name was. So I, I spent Avid. a long time. Avid. It can't Avid. be Avid. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so not to get too churchy for a second, but I, sure. I, I, I think it's worth spending a little bit of time with uh, hearing your, your work as a missionary for the Avid Brothers. That, that I do wonder about that dynamic and what the church might could learn from that. I don't think many people experience the church as a thing that you're excited. Matt and I really, we both really like REM, and we've really enjoyed the, the Scott Ackerman, Adam Scott podcast, Are You Talking REM, Re Me? And Adam Scott always talks about how much of a loser he was in high school because he heard document <laughs> and he heard uh, he was so into exhuming McCarthy that he would play it on his cassette tape and just walk up behind people and put the headphones on them. <laughs> And say, you have to listen to this with the expectation that it was going to change their life. You know, you uh, in the same way, we have this expectation that if I bring you to Ava Brothers show, your life's going to be changed. Um, I mean, I don't think that's a bad. <laughs> what would it You're be right. like to think about whatever it is that church is as that sort of you have to listen to this? Well, and I think that's what's so crazy is, you know, the faith dynamics and the conversations and, you know, again, using the quote from Ben Adams that he just wrote on my Facebook wall or so I wrote on his or something was, uh, he said, the Avits are getting political. And I think there's a real truth to this album that like, there's some obvious just songs and lyrics that are like, well, you're not holding back now, which I think comes with that popularity of like, we can kind of say what we really want to say. Uh, and no one can really touch us. Um, but also, I think, uh, you know, they, they've been saying all these things because they've kind of always been singing songs about being a working man. You know, like mm -hmm. they love to do covers at concerts. They even love to do some covers, um, you know, on some of their live CDs and stuff. So you got like Wanted Man, uh, things like that, where they, you know, they, they reach back and they love like, you know, uh, Doc Watson. And they talk about all these people and they'll play these songs. When they opened in Austin, they played, um, I can't even think of the guy's name, but the Cuckoo, a Cuckoo Bird song or something hmm. like, and it's like a super old banjo song that's just like, they rocked it out. And I mean, it just, it sends you backwards too. So you're listening to them and you're going being like, I want to find all their sources. Who's Doc Watson? Like, what's this song they were singing? Like John Prine, like all this kind of stuff. Like you're just, you're really into it. And yeah, I think that's kind of what they do. And maybe that's kind of what church could do on its best day, right. is like looking backwards as much as forwards going like, you know, we're not doing this because we made it up yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. we're doing this because like, and then you point at so many things and, you know, it used to be that we all just pointed at like Augustine or something like that. And, and that got us, I think in trouble. Right. And then like, or we pointed Hold at on. Luther. What, what, that? Like, what? Cause that's oh, all like, that's all I do is. I point to Augustine. <laughs> uh, you got me. I was like, what? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, or we point at Luther, but we realize now that, like, it's okay to, like, check out what other people are saying. It's okay to even, in the now, say things like, uh, you know, Rob Bell can get people fired up. But also, like, think about Richard Rohr, you know, or Brene Brown, or, you know, like, even some of these new books coming out with Naughty Bolts Weber and Lenny Duncan. Like, if we're not like consistently hitting the new voices, but like listening to them to see how they also were impacted by the old voices. Like just, it gives us great breath. And I think that's what the Avid brothers have done musically, which like connects you to the church. Uh, like mindset is like you, you're like, I'm not only into the Avids now, like I'm also like into all their other stuff. And like, if you watch their YouTube video with Cracker Farm, I think, He's like this specialist that hangs out with them and Langhorn Slim and Jason Isbell, I think, and a couple other people. They'll play stuff together just hanging out. You know, uh, if someone passes away, like I think the lead singers, the Cranberries passed away. Mm -hmm. And I think they played Zombie in the Bathroom, just yeah. like Seth, the new fiddle player and Joe Kwan, uh, just to kind of like just say, hey. Uh, we know that we're going to be missing this music. So like, they're just so in tune. When Prince died, I was at their concert in Chicago. Oh, they, came, they came out of Pretty Girl from Annapolis, and in the middle, they snuck in When Doves Cry. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, They just were on a podcast with uh, Dax Shepard, 
and they were talking about this show in Milwaukee that they did on July 4th. And I was like, oh, I was at that show uh, with a couple other pastors. And, uh, and like, they opened with, um, he just came out and sang, uh, like, God bless America. Hmm. Just Seth with one spotlight. And it was like one of those moments where you're just like, wow, like, it's okay. It's okay to be American, hmm. uh, but it's also... Um, you got to look around and take note of, of what are we doing. And so I think they're kind of coming into the, some of that stuff now in this new album as well. Maybe it's a thing for you, but the, the, the Aver brothers, when I got into them, was right around the time that I, I left North Carolina to go to Chicago to go to seminary. Uh, and so finding identity and hearing myself in them, because uh, while they're a little bit older than me, we went to rival high schools, uh, so I didn't know them <laughs> personally. I know they're an amalgamation with like all these dudes that I know. Like Scott is a dead ringer. He talks and has the same mannerisms as like one of my best friends, older brothers. Uh, and gosh, every time he talks, I'm like, that's Ross and Ross was a jerk. So, but I have to remind myself, Scott's probably not a jerk. <laughs> Ross was, um, <laughs> but, but then as I've gotten older, the thing that has deepened my relationship with the Aver brothers, uh, is kind of, kind of the theology of the Aver brothers that you, you touched on is that I really appreciate Certainly there is honesty and earnest. The, if you had to describe their music, it's, it's honest and earnest. Um, but their honesty about mortality, I think, is one of the things that makes them most powerful, um, which is a, a super Appalachian thing. Um, you know, there's this fatalism up in the mountains of like the mountains are part of that symbolism, like in the Appalachians, that the mountains have been here for hundreds of thousands of years and they'll be here for 100,000 years after you die. Uh, so get used to it. You're going to die. Uh, kind right. of stuff. Um, and I love that. Yeah. And, and I think for me, like when you say like, what was it? Uh, it was a breakup for me. Uh, so I felt like I lost all my music in the breakup. Like I lost Dave Matthews. I lost OAR. I lost Ben Harper. Cause I was like, when I think of these songs and I think of her, did you really and lose them though? When you think back for, now? A <laughs> for a while, for a while though, I didn't, I like couldn't yeah, listen yeah. to yeah, them. Yeah. Like, even now, like OER always kind of just sounds a little different to me. And, uh, but the Avits, uh, they the were other day new. I saw a brand new car with a fire dancer sticker on it. Um, <laughs> and my head exploded. Cause it doesn't make, I don't, I've been to plenty of Dave shows and I enjoyed Dave in high school and college, but I don't know who you are that you're so motivated to buy your brand new car. And the first thing you do is like order a fire dancer sticker off the internet. I mean, how many fire dancer tattoos are there out there too? So, <laughs> so you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just it's a lifestyle, man. I, yeah. You know, we had yeah. a we had a seminary friend, uh, Travis Meyer, man. Yeah, he's, he's been to like thirty shows. David, and, like, and like he like brought me in and like he be like this song has not been played in like twenty years, and it's like. <laughs> what like how do you know this he's like well because every year i download like the whole year's worth of music it's like like from all their concerts he's like yeah i've got an inside guy and you're going well, i didn't even know you know you think you're a fan then you meet somebody yeah. else and it's like the avids too you're yeah. like i've been to 13 shows that's pretty good and someone's like i've been to 72 shows you're like well i don't i don't have money <laughs> and the money i do have i was spent on avids but i don't know how to get to 72 without just straight homelessness and uh just thievery. So, mm -hmm. but it got you through the breakup. You said, yeah. Well, and it was just kind of like this, these guys had music that I think it was fatalistic. It was like, mm -hmm. if I get murdered in the city, don't go revenge in my name. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm dying in the city right now oh. all by myself. But like, I don't, yeah, I don't want people to like take sides and I don't want people to lose their minds. And yeah, at the end of the day, like tell my mom, like tell my family, tell my friends that I love them. Like, and so I think I tied myself to simple lyrics like that or, you know, just or they would just kind of sing this fatalistic like, you know, I kind of love two girls and I kind of lost them both. And you're just mm -hmm. like, I lost one girl, but still it hurts. And <laughs> yeah. so, like, you know, you just kind of like every song kind of hits something, you know, and like even that guy was like, you can paint anything but blue. And like that was like the week before week after I broke up with, you mm -hmm. know, this person. And so it was uh one of those things where like he said that he's like, I just don't want to be blue anymore. And I was like, I don't want to be blue anymore. So then like, I was listening to that song on repeat, um, you know, and like, just, I want to get back. I want to get, you know, like, and just kind of getting real into it. And so, uh, yeah, I think like their music has always kind of shown up 
and given me a voice. Uh, you know, they say, right, the Holy Spirit intercedes with words that, mm-hmm. you know, when groans can't express or I, I screwed that up. But like, <laughs> you know, uh, but the Avits have been kind of that consistency for me, too, where it's like, hey, how do you keep writing songs about what I'm feeling today? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I remember the album came out, um, Carpenter came out when I was on internship. And I remember I listened to that like every day. That was my morning. Like, wake up, sit in bed, listen to Carpenter album. Like, you know, used to just listen to and repeat the NPR Tiny Dust concert. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott David actually gave a commencement speech at ECU. And it's probably one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard where he just talks about, like, how he became to be and, like, how the Abits became to be. And you just find yourself, like, impressed by every aspect mm-hmm. of them. Um, I didn't know that uh, that ECU had graduation. I never heard of anybody graduating from East well, Carolina. Well, and he would tell you right away, you know, <laughs> in that speech. He said, like, in my first in my first uh, like time, I I got like a point seven four. Like he got some crazy amount. Like he tells this beautiful story where he's like, I started going to class. I met a girl. Like I did these things, broke up with that girl, wrote a song about it. Like, and you're just like listening to him talk. And he's like, his beautiful voice is just emulating like the life of like how you find yourself in a pit and climb out of it. Uh, and then kind of describes how like you, you know, we, we became a band, you know, because we could, and we started selling t-shirts cause it would get us gas money to the next show. Like, mm-hmm. and you start seeing these guys are just, Like, they're doing the same thing they've always done. Like, we'll make enough money to do another show, to do another album, to keep going. Um, And now it's superseding, but they're also adding to the band, right? Like, it used to be three guys. Now it's four guys. Now it's, you know, five, six. They've added this fiddle player, so now they have a female voice. Like, it's like they're always growing. So even when you're at the show, you're like, well, I kind of wish they'd do their old stuff and, Mm -hmm. like, but you're also like, but yeah, but the new stuff's great too, and the style, and uh, and they'll always kick it back to a couple songs on just like one guitar, one microphone, maybe like a couple of them out there. You uh, usually sing in an old timey hymn, mm-hmm. so like when I was seeing them pretty regularly, uh, I was seeing a lot of the same hymns, but I didn't care because it was just so powerful to see three guys huddle around a microphone, almost kind of reminding you of like oh brother where art thou mm-hmm. uh and you're going man how can you like rock out hardcore stopping and clapping and screaming and all of a sudden you say let's take five come back out and then like sing the most soulful song mm-hmm. uh about love and hate about murder about drinking you know and you're going and then sing like in the garden and you're like i think i'm gonna cry a lot right now <laughs> and then like Three seconds later, like, uh, I killed poor Sally's lover. And you're, like, <laughs> screaming again. And then, like, three hours ends, and you go, I think it was 15 minutes. And you go, how is it 11 o'clock at night? Mm-hmm. And, like, where are they coming back? Please tell me they're releasing new stuff. Like, <laughs> And, like, you just, I don't know. It's it's that thing that, I don't know. And, and I think, you know, when you, when you have that in a church service, you know, uh, and I, and I've been in those situations. I've led some of those services, but I've mostly attended services where I've left going, we should do this tomorrow. We should do this in five yeah. minutes. Like yeah. we should, you know, was that service three hours? I didn't even know. Like, and like, you know, and sometimes yeah. it happens like in South Africa, like some of the yeah. singing, I found myself when I first arrived two and a half years ago, I was sitting in church. They sang a song. They said, we don't really like that version. Let's sing the other version. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they just started dancing and screaming and singing. And I just started crying. And I was just trying to cover my eyes so people didn't wonder why the like the one of the two U.S. people in this crowd of Africans was like <laughs> sobbing while everyone's celebrating. I was just like, because there's something so beautiful about a musicless place just stomping and singing. And you're like, that Holy Spirit that sometimes invades us as Lutherans was a hundred percent there and showing up with full fire, full flame, you know, the dove mm-hmm. was spreading its wings and flapping hard and you're going, wow. And I think that's the same thing that happens when you're at these concerts is you're going, how do these guys do it? Every mm-hmm. night they feels like they're amazing. And I've never heard someone say bad show. Maybe you didn't hear the song you wanted, but you never say bad show. So the lyrics have never, uh, they've always been kind of simple and earnest, as we talked about. Um, so on this album, 
on the new album, Closer Than Together. Uh, that is no different. Um, Seth put out a statement on the Instagram back in the summer and said that this was not going to be a political album. But if the Avid Brothers <laughs> did a political album, this would be a political album. Uh, and that's a very political way to state uh, that they were making a political album. Uh, they hit gun stuff, race stuff, gender, women's women stuff. stuff. Yeah, gender stuff. Uh, yeah. They hit all the stuff and they hit it uh, with the blunt hammer that they hit everything with. Um, yeah. Especially in We Americans where mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's a song you can tell, but if you didn't know better, it's some guy playing guitar and another guy's just kind of singing how, how like America was formed. Mm-hmm. And like, if you didn't know better, you would just kind of be like, you know, it doesn't really have any rhyme or rhythm to it. It almost feels like it, he's just singing and barely making rhymes. But because the words are so heavy, you're just like, I was enthralled. Like when we Americans came on the first time, I was like, you know, I'm looking for high stepping, you know, as a fun mm-hmm. one, I'm looking for C-sections and railway, you know, uh, railway trestles because I heard them on, on the podcast and, and like, you know, I'm going, Oh, these, these are the songs I know. And, and we Americans came on, I'm like repeat. Cause like I've been saturated with my own history. Like, uh, I wrote all these notes, you know, thinking about this conversation and like, you know, just like calling out Manifest Destiny, calling out Andrew Jackson, which like is a <laughs> rare occurrence. Uh, Jim Crow, you know, like, but then mm-hmm. like tying it together at the end and like, you know, saying like the ghosts of our ancestors haunting the halls of our conscience. And then like, you know, saying, but like, I really love this land because of and in spite of we the people and then ending with love in our hearts with the pain and the memory and you're just like well come on man like if you're pissed in the beginning mm-hmm. by the end you're like well i'm still a little upset maybe if you're sitting on the part of this where you're going like i don't want to hear this i, I want my eight brothers to be pure and working man music that never touches like the political but at the same time like it ends with just this very much like um I'm not saying, you know, go to hell, America. What I'm saying is to be American is to be proud, but it is to it is to also look back and say, uh, how did we get here? Uh, and so, I, I mean, I was, again, like, am I crying? Like, well, I'm driving in Nairobi, like, stopped in front of wild pigs, being like, I'm not crying, you're crying, Puma. <laughs> I, yeah, I think... I, li- I like that note that you brought up. When Scott has talked about it in some interviews, he has talked about it. The album is a is their hope for the album is that it is a thing that moves towards uh, unity. Uh, is the word that he's used over and over again, which I think is interesting for as for as blunt as they can be, and as much as this is these aren't super complex metaphors. You're right. <laughs> there's a gentle stolen land. <laughs> yeah, I mean they say. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, right, like for me, I'm still at the stage where like I was pretty slow to come on board to True Sadness because it was such a departure musically in a lot of ways. But now, you know, Fisher Road is probably in my top five Ava Brothers songs now. So as much as they, they hit stuff on the head, there isn't I don't know if gentleness is the right word because it's 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 still blunt. But they, but you're right. They could have said things much um Oh, I was saying, going to say that uh, I don't. Sometimes it feels a little too like on the nose for me. Uh, like we could be a little more artistic, couldn't we? Um, yeah, right. But sure, I, I, I appreciate the perspective that sometimes you have to say things, and they just said lots of things on this album. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they still were like, able to do so out. in a way that that you're right comes back around to this unity piece. That's not necessarily like the most. I don't know. I don't think I think this is a risk for them. I think you could see it cynically as a way that they're trying to find like a middle ground. I don't know. I'm still wrestling with it and what they were trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I it was kind of like a blessing to be able to just sit and look through the lyrics, you know, knowing I was going to talk to you and uh, just writing stuff down. And, you know, and I think what's so crazy is you have like, you know, uh, we Americans or, you know, like you have the um, the like Oh, I'm saying girl power one. Woman's world. Yeah, woman's world. I was like, it's not girl power, but you know, it's, <laughs> but it's like, that was the Spice Girls album. Right. I was like, oh, and I knew that too. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they just, they really went for it. 
on those songs, but then, and then Bang Bang as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it always comes around as like, and I think maybe it's just again, because you know where they're from. Uh, and they said, uh, like in this podcast with Dak Shepard, you know, Seth says, my dad told me, uh, this guy wouldn't give him back a necklace or something that he traded with as soon as he was younger. His mm -hmm. dad said, you come up and you say to him, you don't give me that necklace. I'm gonna punch you in the nose. And he was like, I don't know. Like, he, and he said, like, I don't want to curse my dad for telling me to do that. Mm -hmm. But he also knows, like, I walked up there knowing I had the permission. And because I had the permission, I said it in a way that he's like, I think this person knew there was no holding back. Mm -hmm. And they just gave it to him. So he never had to punch him. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I also like knowing I had that forgiveness. And, like, I think if we're all listening to that, we're going, well, I'm not going to tell my kids to, to punch to punch another kid. But I hope that they speak in a manner that their words are as strong as punches. You know, like, and so I think sometimes I'm going, they're telling us so much stuff, but at the same time, they're not denying that, like, their upbringings weren't this perfect, like, well, we're, our parents are these, you know, peacenik, liberal, and, like, we're just singing their stuff. Like, they're like, no, like, we know where we came from. We know what people think about where we come from. And so I think there is also just, like, a, a bluntness that comes with their, like, we're also going to speak against some of the blunt stuff that comes maybe at them, maybe as mm -hmm. like Southern brothers from North Carolina, where I think there is some tendency to, to try to label the South as one thing and, and just pick it apart and say like, I will never love the South or I'll never love Texas. Cause like, I know what they did. And it's mm -hmm. like, uh, well, we can't do that forever. Uh, and so I think these, these brothers have kind of brought this to the forefront of like, I love this band uh, in this in this music that comes out of this history of, of southern banjo picking and, and east coast stuff and uh, and then all of a sudden you go well now they're saying stuff I don't love but man like I still don't feel like I hate them you know it's it's yeah. not a it's well, not a departure from their style and I think I mean I think maybe if <clears throat> musically in terms of like repeat listening it's still to be seen where this is going to fall in the in the canon for me but the thing i think i appreciate most artistically about this album is that that i see in it that they have a sincere hope um to create some sort of change uh especially among i haven't figured out the right word for it but they're kind of north carolina base that that is probably more to the left than most to North Carolina as a whole, but but perhaps more to the center than many similar like musical acts would have, is that they could have said these things in ways that they were much more abrasive. That some of us might even say more more honest. And a lot of this starts to feel kind of personal because I find myself sometimes in these same sort of spaces. Uh, sometimes the goal is to say the thing that is most true. And sometimes the goal is to move towards something new. And I thought they, I think in this album they do a good job of trying to be, keep it as, as true and earnest as, as they ever are, but also have some hopes that this might, that they might be heard by people who would otherwise not hear them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I think too, it's, you know, like you said, listenability, you know, I don't know that we Americans is going to, you know, be on any playlist of mine. But I still might have high stepping or even C sections and railway trestles like, um, and you know, and I don't know where because you have a child, correct? Uh, last time I checked, yes. Okay. <laughs> We've not done the DNA but, test, but <laughs> but you know, like uh, I think if you're listening to that, you know, as somebody who I think believes that they will be a father someday, uh, and uh, I believe in you too, Alex. Thank you. And, uh, you know, and I, and I know, you know, Matt has kids and, uh, and when you have your kids, I think if I'm not mistaken, like there's a lot of fear that comes out and I think, <laughs> but yeah. I feel like yeah, yeah. They, you're nailing they, this, but they like, they really hit, like, this is a beautiful story about like, mm -hmm. I can't believe this kid is coming. And then something goes wrong, which yeah. is like everyone's greatest fear and then labels out at the end, like all this hope and love. Uh, and it's so, it's all done in this kind of, and you're just like, mm -hmm. how is this a song? You know, and when I heard him playing it on this other podcast, I was just kind of like listening to like a story, but also I was like, I would listen to it again because it ends with such a beautiful wraparound uh, of just like, again, hopefulness. Like, 
you don't have to be anything, but let me give some parently advice to this baby, you know, as I'm, I'm pondering your future. Cause we just got through something that terrified me, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so I, you know, I just found that like stuff like that, you know, it's still going to be the things that people will carry forward. Bleeding white. I mean, that opening for bleeding white, I was like, what album is this? And, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, I was like, it was like, I was like, is this like going to be like Green Day or something? Like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, what are we doing here? But then you hear a, a lyric like, let's thank God for merciful variety. And again, you're like awestruck at like, <laughs> you're going to be sitting on that one for like years going like merciful variety. What is merciful variety? What do they mean by that? You know, so they, they're still going to tag you. A bunch, uh, especially I think most of the Avid fans are lyricists that go, um, I want to hear them like, give me something that will be my, you know, email response, you know, make it mm-hmm. something that like I'll put on a poster at my wedding, you know. Tattoos. Um, yeah, right. Like, you know, it's like everybody's going like, oh, my gosh, did you hear that lyric? Like, I am a breathing time machine. Like. Like, what, what is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that they still have all that with, like, some really shock and awe, but also, you know, just some really interesting stuff. And they, they went into the storytelling again, which I think they haven't for a while. Like, C-sections, long story short, even we Americans uh, cons- kind of considers, you know, the history of America and moves you kind of through it. And I miss that, like, from the, you know, killed Sally lover and, you know, love and hate ballads and where you're kind of seeing something. And I think long story short is just amazing because it is like the interconnectedness of life is beautiful, uh, but it also has historical effects, you know, and then they just kind of like leave you with that without too much to be said about it. Right. Like they just end by saying children could be left, uh, can't be left to raise themselves. Right. And you're just like, whoa. Well, let me tell you a story. Uh, I am fearful of my child's preschool teacher because I'm supposed to pick her up in one minute. Uh, But it's been fantastic to have our uh, Kenyan correspondent uh, covering the Ava brothers uh, from the continent, uh, Alex, on the podcast. Thanks for uh, being with us. Thanks for having me anytime, and I will keep spreading the love of Jesus and the love of Ava brothers probably about equally. What's the difference? Exactly. You said it best. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Josh Collins. Welcome. Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher. Uh, Dear listeners, Josh Collins is my uh, brother-in-law. And today we have him on the podcast uh, because the Avery Brothers have released a new album called Closer Than Together. And Josh Collins, you introduced me to the Avery Brothers Back in 2005, 2006, uh, back in that time frame, uh, you are, uh, to my knowledge, a big fan of the Ava Brothers. Uh, so I thought yes. we'd bring you on to the podcast to talk about uh, the new album. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm glad I was the one that was able to uh, bring you to the love of the Avid Brothers as well. I've been a fan since about uh, 2004, I guess, 2005, and uh, have all their albums, listened to them, um, gone to several shows, and actually met them um, um, backstage at Merle Fest, a music festival, a couple years ago, and uh, they played with my kids. And we talked about the Grateful Dead, which was a pretty cool, a pretty cool experience for me as being a super fan. <laughs> so uh, you say that you became a fan in 2004. I'm sure you heard them before that. How do you remember the first time you heard the Ava Brothers? Yes, I do actually. The first time I heard the Ava Brothers um, was on a train. Um, I was actually with um, now my currently my ex-wife. And um, she had um, some music on her um, MP3 player. Uh, yeah, an old MP3 player. And um, she uh, had some music on there. And one of them was the Avet Brothers. And I was like, you know what? I really like these guys. I want to hear uh, more of them. So then I just did, some, did my research, my due diligence, and um, kept uh, kept finding more music about them and just fo- followed them from there. Cool. I was on a train in New York City actually mm-hmm. for the, the ball dropping. Did you, 
Uh, not going to make any jokes. Uh, I was going to go with uh, you're headed to Brooklyn, uh, asking if it would take you in. Um, no, yes, I understand. <laughs> but see, I, that, that would make a better story, but no, going for the ball dropping. Mm. Uh, when the Avid brothers, who are from uh, Concord, uh, yes. North Carolina, which is not too far away from uh, where you and I uh, grew up, where you still uh, live, when yeah. they when they kind of came onto the scene, it was an interesting time in the history of like music, of the music industry. We were both kind of in college, and Napster had kind of died. File sharing had died, and streaming music and down like iTunes, that kind of thing was not widespread. So I remember first hearing the Aver Brothers, uh, probably with you, but for a couple years there, some of my exposure to new music, which was hard to do when Napster had died and uh, streaming music wasn't a reliable thing, the internet wasn't good enough yet, uh, came through burned CDs that you gave to me. So my first <laughs> RIP, my Jeep, my car uh, from back then was stolen uh, about a year ago and it had all my CDs in it so I had all of their first albums burned the emotionalism is a burned copy from you uh, Four Thieves Gone uh, Gone to Robin yeah. Gone to Robbinsville was, uh, yeah. was a burned CD like, from you Carolina Jubilee maybe mm -hmm. yeah yep all that stuff so that's the kind of evocative thing that I think of when I think about the Avid Brothers what they of course had and continue to have just a really interesting sound that especially back then was something I'd never heard before, uh, combining things that hadn't been combined before, the the kind of bluegrass-ish notes combined with the, the kind of Beatles-esque harmonies uh, all at the same time. What has it been for you that has, uh, that has had you invest emotionally so heavy into the Aver Brothers? Um, really what, kind of what you said, just the way they would... Um would incorporate um, now that some of, sometimes the drums and the kick drum and the guitar and the banjo and a big doghouse doghouse bass and now even a cello player and with the harmonies and sometimes screaming and sometimes almost whispering and it it, it just makes sense they they tell stories. They have ballads, and they have um, really everything they that they write um, and sing about relates to them somehow, and it's a, a part of their life. And so I feel like I've been actually been able to watch them grow as um, as a group, and kind of had a picture of what their life has been like, and to following up on that, they had. Um, a movie on HBO now. Um, I don't know if I should, I'll plug HBO or not, but um, anyway, it's called May they at Last. Some big checks. <laughs> um, called May at Last, and um, it Judd really Apatow produced and directed, right? Yes, yes, and it was about really about the making of the album before this album, and uh, it really just uh, blew me away um, about how. They, about how they were and how family oriented they were and um, it just and when I met them they were so genuine and um, it, it seems like I, as a fan I have kind of grown with them as their stardom has um, exceeded gotten bigger and bigger for me they one of there are a lot of different ways that the Ava brothers are important to me and that their music uh, means so much to me. One of the first ways, though, is that because they are from just a couple towns over, that especially in 04, 05, 06, 07 for me, they were me, in a sense, mm -hmm. right? Especially as I moved uh, away, as I moved to Chicago, I did not move to Brooklyn. Brooklyn uh, was not yeah. taken in there, uh, but I moved to Chicago and they were an important part of, I think, helping me do that. Uh, because that was a big scary thing uh, to do back then, and so to to be on that journey together, I think, is a way that that they helped and empowered uh, me, and was one of the first ways that happened. Absolutely, um, I, I feel the same way. Um, 
I feel that you know they they talk about things that we talk about. Um, they talk about things that we know um, about and that we live with. Uh, they, they, I feel like I've kind of grown with them a little bit, and um, they 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 talk about things that we know and that we grew up with, like the the farms and the, the living in, in rural areas and growing up the way that we grew up. What are the things that they talk about that you that deeply uh, connect with you? They're just the way that they're they're rooted. Even though they they've traveled the world, they've been all. 50 states they've they've toured overseas but they're so rooted here in north carolina and it always shows and when they come home um i've seen them in different states but when they come home it it is almost like a homecoming um for i believe for them and for me um, he's being like a big of a fan as i am seeing them when they come here um it's it's just like they just feel so comfortable with the audience and it's more of like they're singing just to you um which is really which is really cool it's like it's like when a, it's almost like when a pastor has a really good sermon and you feel like he's talking just to you for that reason can't relate um, <laughs> um but yeah so uh, it's it, when, you, when you see him at home it's like a homecoming and uh it, and it doesn't matter where they go um, or, or what they sing about. It seems like in some way, at least in some of their songs and using most of their songs, I can relate to them some way, somehow, which makes them such a powerful band for me to be able to listen to. So the new album, Closer Than Together, uh, is uh, a change? Well, you know, uh the the first thing that I saw when I got the album, um, I, and I downloaded it legally, and um, <laughs> I paid for it, and um, was the title the the genre I'm looking at it right now on my phone, and it says rock, hmm. and it was it was labeled rock, and I was like, you know, I've seen alternative rock, I've seen folk rock. Um, folk alternative, but I've never just seen rock with um, the Avett Brothers before. And I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be something new. And it has a lot of new attributes to it, but it also has um, some things that are very much the same. The first song, um, I'll tell you, is the song called Bleeding White. And uh, it comes out, and before you hear their voices, and so it, to me, anyway, it was like I was listening, like the first several chords, like I was listening to a Jack White album. It, it was the, the bass line was real low and um, it was like, whoa, this is completely different. And it just kind of blew my mind. Like this is the Avid Brothers, but this is a huge turn. Um, but um, as as we continued the album, um, they really turned it into a lot of ballads, um, a lot of piano playing. Seth did a lot of singing, um, not a lot of banjo from Scott on this album, um, but a lot of storytelling, which I love. Um, so when they were telling their stories, um, I, it was just some, and always in some albums, some songs really grab me more than others um and so but yeah it, it is a i would say a rock and roll album with a with a lot of um uh with a lot of ballads tied in there as well like another rock and roll song i think would be uh well, the first one being bleeding white the second rock and roll album song that i would really say would be high stepping really fast paced really catchy really upbeat so i, I like listening to that as well so the the big news around this album uh, started a couple months ago on Instagram when Seth put up the note that was a mission statement for the album. And he said that this was not going to be a political album. But if the Avid Brothers were to make a political album, this would be it. Uh, lyrically, right? The Avid Brothers have never been uh, super... Their, their lyrics have always been... Uh, pretty blunt and straightforward. Yeah. Uh, and this album is no different uh, when it comes to uh, 
We're talking about guns with Bang Bang. Uh, yep. We're talking about uh, slavery. <laughs> slavery. Uh, we're talking about race stuff. We're talking about uh, women's stuff. Uh, yes. How do these super overt lyrics, which haven't been, I've heard Scott talk about it. And it's not like the stuff, the sentiment, like this comes completely out of nowhere for the Avid brothers, but it is a change, I think, in that it is super explicit uh, and you can't listen to the album and not get hit in the face with this stuff. No, you're right. Um, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I, I guess what uh, I think you said, Seth said that it's not a political album. Um, but if, if they were to put out a, a political statement, this would definitely be it. And the first Which thing is a dodge, by the way. Uh, it, it, it completely. It, 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 you're exactly right. It's not right. a political it, album, but it's a political album. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the first things that I think about um, when the first time I heard "We Americans." Um, which is uh, one of the most downloaded songs um, on the album. Um, I can see that from where I get my from where I get my music, and um, you know it talks about um, you know saying the pledge of allegiance every day growing up, but also living in a land that was stolen from people and then enslaving people, and then it talks about the Civil War. And it talks about, you know, um, cotton and tobacco fields. Um, it goes on to talk about the Civil War and how there is still um, race, racial tension um, in the South and in the North. And uh, they would have seen it. It talks about it, it, it talks about violence. Um, it talks about one time, you know, a time where or two different times where Scott has um, seen um, or had rather a gun pointed at him, uh, a loaded gun, and um, and that, I think that was in Bang Bang, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a really emotional song for me. Um, I actually even posted that song when it came out on my Facebook page because I wanted to share it. I think I got like two likes, but um, it's such a powerful song for me because it, it, it we're, we're really living in a time full of violence and it seems like every other week you're seeing some kind of mass shooting of some sort and the, nobody knows how to deal with it or what to do about it um i, I have my um feelings but we're not gonna get into that but i think that um, my feelings are are generally represented and have a, a lot of um parallels with bang bang um um, just the way that they that, that they bring it out, and and then you have C sections and railway trestles, which is a completely different song, um, you know, and they have such a way with their lyric with their lyrics ways that and they say things in ways that I would never think um, to use. Like uh, um, Dad was just a muscle, Mom was just a vessel. <laughs> so so you know um just and you, and you listen to it like what is that and then you're like oh that that, that makes sense and um uh in the new woman's world yeah. you know that is a, a to me a very political song and i'm i'm glad and i'm proud that my little girl who's eight now her hero is ruth Bader ginsburg um we let her name our cat that we just adopted, who was a female, and we now own a cat named Ruthie, named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You let Ruth Bader Ginsburg name your cat? <laughs> yes. So, that's, that's crazy. I didn't know she did that. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> what I want to ask you, where I want to take things here, uh, we can Sorry, I talked so much. So. No worries. Is you said you shared the, the Bang Bang video and, and, and got maybe two likes. Uh, we've yeah. established that I think that the Ava brothers have done a really good job over their careers of developing really deeply held relationships with people, especially I think people from their part of the world. What is your, I'm not, I don't live there anymore. I'm not around that, those folks the way that I, that, that you are. Um, I am curious to know what the reception has been more locally around uh, the Avids getting uh, political. 
Well, it's a little weird, um, to be completely honest, because um, I live, one of the lines is, you know, uh, and bang, bang, is towards the end of the song, um, where, you know, he lives out in the quiet, because he lives in the country because it's quiet. Um, and he likes the silence and I live in the country and you've been to my house. I think you would say that I, I, I live in the country. Um, but there's also those people that live around him that have lots of guns that go out on the weekends and pretend to be Rambo as he puts it in bang, bang. And then they go and they, they just shoot their guns and there's nothing for me to be on my back porch or on my patio or my picnic table trying to enjoy a meal with my family or coffee. And you hear, um, you know, rapid gunfire and just kind of makes you shiver. So um, I think that's one of the reasons that I didn't get a whole lot of likes is because um, they perceived, some people may have listened to that song and perceived it um, as a way, as the Avett Brothers making um, a song about gun control. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, I know that my, my wife liked it. And uh, she, I don't think she even was one of the ones that liked it on Facebook, but I played it for her. Um, We're pretty but, familiar with uh, partners not <laughs> interacting with your your deal or listening to your podcast. We're familiar with that. That's fine. <laughs> Got it. We're on the same page. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I, and I think it's a brand new album. I'm not sure if it's out there as much as, you know, some of their other really known albums. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that was definitely a big political statement that, that, I, that resonated with me, um, really. Um, so I, I, I don't know. So, you know, and I have a lot of friends that are still, you know, very on the right and very, we love our guns, mm-hmm. type people. And I love those people, and those are my neighbors, and, you know, those are my friends. Um, but we feel very differently about that issue. Um, and, uh, but I think the Avett brothers hit it right on the head for me because I feel the way that they feel. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to watch those movies and to hear that gunfire in the background, um, right after you have watched the news or, or read the news on, on the internet about another shooting, about another people dying of senseless gunfire. Do you think they're taking a risk with the base? I'm interested uh, with their base. I'm interested in what it's going to be like, you know, maybe New Year's Eve show in Charlotte uh, when they play some of those songs live for the first time uh, in North Carolina. I think their fan base is big enough that um, it's going to resonate uh, enough for all of them to be able to relate to um, some of those songs in some way, whether or not they agree with them or not. I think they're going to, you know, listen to them because they, you know, because they love the Avett Brothers, and uh, they might lose some fans over this non-political, very political album. Um, but I think that. They're getting their feelings and their words out there um, is more important to them than their fan base. And I think that the people who love them and that agree with this political statement are going to love them even more. And that's Mm -hmm. the way that I feel about this album. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being on the podcast, Josh. Uh, One last question before we go. Uh, Our official Avid Brother uh, Brothers correspondent in uh, in Central South Central North Carolina. Josh Collins, how many uh, Avett Brothers related tattoos do you currently have? Uh, two. Just two. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll check in. Oh, uh, and I also, I also had an Avett Brothers song played at my wedding um, about a month ago. Cool. Which one did you go with? Murder in uh, the City? Yep. Um, Murder in the City, the last line. That's actually one of my tattoos yeah. uh, on my arm. Um, but. Uh, um, we, um, you swept me away was played at our wedding hmm. you swept me away that's always my experience in North Carolina because it's so humid you just sweat so you just sweat <laughs> that's a good one yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast congratulations on the on the recent nuptials and uh, yep. and we'll uh, we'll check in tell Scott and Seth we said hello and that uh, 
I'll probably see him later today. We're gonna have lunch. Oh, good, good, good. Where are you guys gonna gonna go? Um, probably like Chipotle or somewhere close. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, it's a Denver-based restaurant. Um, but <laughs> I didn't know that. There you go. See you, Grad uh, is the founder. Um, not that we endorse Chipotle, but uh, we'll talk to you uh, later. Get Scott and Seth. Uh, I'll even take one on the podcast. All right. <laughs> Sounds good.